0: Hi, we're here from curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how curiosity inspires the fantastic science communicator Alan Alda and how you can let your curiosity guide you, too. Then we'll answer Cody's burning question. How do toilets actually work? Let's flush
0: some curiosity. Ashley and I listen to a pretty good number of podcasts, and one of our favorites is Clear and Vivid, hosted by Alan Alda. So naturally, last weekend, we were super excited to feature our interview with Alan on a couple episodes of Curiosity Daily. Well, we got such great feedback on those episodes, we decided we would let you hear one final part of our conversation, where we have a casual back and forth about why science is just plain fun. Alan Alda is a science advocate and has dedicated his life's work to improving science communication. But before you can communicate science, you have to, you know, actually kind of like science, which is why we're going to share Alan's story about some of the fun things he's learned over the years and what keeps him curious. And you said that science is fun. What's the most
2: fun thing you've learned in the world of science? So many things. I remember reading about bacteria that get three times bigger when water is added. And I thought, this would be nice if you put a pound of them under your car and just squirt water on it. You can lift up your car and change your tire. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But, I, but there's, I'm fascinated by um, how smart octopuses are. We were doing the show, the science show in uh, the aquarium in Naples, And half the octopuses knew how to open a jar and take out a shrimp and eat it. And the other half genetically did not know how to do that. One who knew how to do it swam in and opened the jar, took out the shrimp. And he was watched one time by the octopus who didn't know how to do it. And after watching it once, when he was presented with a jar, he went over, boom, boom, pop in the mouth, the shrimp. Wow. That's pretty smart, to observe something once and know exactly how to do it. They're smart creatures. Then I saw a video of them dreaming a few days ago. I saw that. So I tweeted about that. I said, they're smart as whips and they dream. That's it. I'm not eating anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody tweeted back, you shouldn't eat anything with a face. But I also tweeted out a video that I got, I think, from Nature. I forget where I got it. I also tweeted out a video of all the little creatures in a drop of water. And a couple of them had faces on them. These are little microscopic guys. I'm not going to stop drinking water. Right. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, faces may not be the way to go. You maybe have to have another standard. When's the moment when you realize science is fun? Were you really, really young? For me, I, I was very young. I, was, I just was curious. I mean, I remember it as a young actor going up to many offices looking for work. And I'd be standing in the elevator and I would actually look at the bank of buttons on the wall of the elevator and I'd think, how did they get there? Who put them there? How, how did they wire that? How does the wiring go from here moving in an elevator to some electrical place? You know, that kind of simple-minded, <laughs> it's really simple-minded, but it's, but to be curious about whatever you run across is helpful, it's useful, but it's also fun. I mean, it must. we must have a very strong capacity for that or we wouldn't have survived so well and so successfully as a species. To me, it
0: can be almost overwhelming. You walk into a lobby of a building, and you think that desk was designed by someone, yes. carved by someone. The floor tile, the ceiling, the way that the
2: electricity—I think of it. about all of that stuff. To me, it's not inert. To me, it's some human did something there, and I and I really am interested in picturing how it happened. And then when you drive through the city, and you think you just drive through New York, for instance, and you think there are thousands of restaurants. Some are fish restaurants, some are Indonesian restaurants, some are Italian This whole thing, this whole cultural thing that goes on one layer after another in time and space where people are doing things and we expect them to be there, but they're only there because of many layers of people engaging with one another and doing things. We're walking around in a living organism Especially in New York. Oh my God, yeah. How are you
0: not, over, you're not overwhelmed by that ever? That curiosity that there's so many questions. No, I
2: think that's why New Yorkers are able to block things out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you do, in New York, everybody walks a lot. So you bump into people you know, which is fun. In, in LA, you crash into people you know.
0: <laughs> Ellen Aldous podcast, Clear and Vivid, is produced by Graham Chedd, with help from associate producer, Sarah Chase. You can subscribe to Clear and Vivid for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Clear and Vivid makes us all more connected, better communicators, but it also helps to benefit the research done at the Allen Alda Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. You can check out the Alda Center at aldacenter.org and sign up for Alan's newsletter at allenalda.com. If you didn't get a chance to write that all down, then don't worry. We'll have links to everything I just mentioned and more in today's show notes.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Scura Style. Did you know that according to research, the average kitchen sponge can be pretty gross? As in, that disgusting, soggy sponge sitting in the kitchen sink can be 200,000 times dirtier than a toilet seat.
0: Yeah, a cellulose sponge becomes contaminated with millions of bacteria in just two to three days of use. And that's why you should think about switching to Scura.
1: Scura style
0: sponges rinse clean, dry fast, and keep their shape. And they're made of a patented polyurethane foam and are antimicrobial so they don't smell.
1: On top of all that, you'll know when to switch out your old sponge thanks to their fade-to-change technology. When the Scora logo rubs off the sponge, you know it's time to toss it. And Scora's easy subscription plans mean you get sponges delivered right to your door so you don't even have to think about when it's time to swap them out. Go to ScoraStyle.com now, enter Curiosity in the promo box, and get your first month free. Just pay for shipping. You can cancel at any time. That's S-K-U-R-A style dot com.
0: Try the sponge scene on the Today Show that was called Life Changing. That's SkuraStyle, S-K-U-R-A style dot com. Promo code Curiosity.
1: This week's question comes from Cody. Cody, why don't you ask your question?
0: All right, no one knows how toilets work. I'm just putting it out there. How do they work?
1: I mean, to be fair, when you first said this to me, I was like, of course I know how toilets work. And then I thought about it and I was like, I know I could I could explain half of how toilets work, but honestly, yeah, you're right. Nobody knows how to nobody in the whole world <laughs> knows how toilets work. Well, okay, a few people might not know, and that's why we're going to share that today. And it's true, like toilets are kind of a marvel of engineering. Have you ever looked inside a toilet tank? It's like a freaking Rube Goldberg machine in there. So, here's how it works. Inside the tank, there's a long arm attached to the flusher handle that itself is attached to a long chain. That chain is attached to a plug at the bottom of the tank known as the flush valve. When you flush the toilet, it pulls the chain and lifts up the plug, causing all of the water in the tank to rush out and into the bowl. The next part is when some cool physics happens. So anyone who's ever poured liquid into a toilet bowl probably knows that it's nearly impossible to make a working toilet overflow that way. The water always seems to stay at the same level. That's because of a simple mechanism called a siphon. If you look at the back of your toilet, you might notice a pipe or a ceramic tube that's in an S-shaped curve leading out of the bowl. That curve is crucial. When the water level gets too high, the extra pours down the vertical part of the S until it's back to its original level. But when you flush the toilet and that whole two gallons of water comes rushing into the bowl, the siphon tube fills up completely, leading to lower pressure further down the tube ahead of the flowing water and higher pressure in the water itself. That forces all that water out of the bowl through the siphon until there's nothing left but air. That's when you hear that telltale gurgle of a finished flush. Meanwhile, as the water level in the toilet tank got lower, an inflated orb called the float ball got lower too. The float ball is attached to an arm that's attached to the water inlet valve. And as the arm gets lower, it opens the inlet valve to let water in from the supply line to fill the tank again. The flush valve is still open for most of this, so some of that new water rushes through the bottom of the tank to refill the bowl, too. Eventually, the weight of the water filling the tank forces the flush valve closed, and the water level rises until the float ball is high enough to shut off the inlet valve. Then ta-da! You have successfully flushed a toilet.
0: I think I get it.
1: Nice. All right, well, if you're listening and you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com.
0: Look, I'm just trying to cover my bases. If I ever travel back in time and I need to invent the toilet, I got to know how to do it.
1: I think this podcast is good for a lot of that. Like, if anyone listening to this podcast goes back in time, they will be better equipped for it.
0: For sure. Before we wrap up, here's a sneak peek at what you can catch this weekend on curiosity.com.
1: This weekend, you'll learn about what getting chills from music says about your brain, Why power posing for confidence is a scientific myth, an AI-generated music playlist that changes with your mood, why a feather, a bowling ball, and a neutron star all fall at the same rate in a vacuum, and more. Okay, so now let's talk about why today's stories were so fascinating to us.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, knowing what makes Alan Alda tick and what drives his curiosity, pretty cool. Also, you showed me that video of octopuses that he mentioned, and it is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, we'll have to link to that in the show notes because it is stupendous.
0: Yeah, this episode was also pretty cool for me because now I know how toilets work, which I did not before. And before you email, yes, I know a lot of people probably do know how toilets work, (laughs) but I know a lot of people don't. Literally, my brother-in-law is a plumber, so I know there's people out there. You mystical, magical homeowners that understand how to work things.
1: Literally the other day, I told my boyfriend, like, yeah, today I wrote about how toilets work for the podcast. Do you know how toilets work? And then he, like, just explained it. I was like, yep, that's <laughs> that's how they work.
0: <laughs> I never. But he's, I,
1: he's real smart. He is. He's I, a smart guy. And
0: I never said I'm a handyman.
1: <laughs> Today's episode was scripted, produced, and edited by Cody Goff.
0: Today's episode was also scripted by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor of Curiosity.com. Have a great weekend and join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: Until then, stay curious.
2: On the Westwood One Podcast Network.